Welcome to Cybersecurity Business. I'm your host, Kevin Poucher, the COO of KLogix. In our podcast, we interview CISOs and other security leaders to hear their advice on the business of information security. This podcast gives our listeners actionable takeaways to help them increase the effectiveness of their security program. Today, we're joined by Joe Corsi, who's the Deputy CISO at Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield. Prior to Excellus, Joe held roles as Senior Information Security Manager at Paychex for over 10 years. He has a long history in information security and is here to provide his insights, which he's learned over the course of his career. In this segment, we'll be discussing zero trust best practices and why they are so important. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. So I thought we could start out by defining zero trust. And I know you and I have joked about this in the past because zero trust is one of the biggest buzzwords in all of information security. I, uh, I've i heard thousands of vendor pitches over the past five years where I can't think of one of them where zero trust wasn't brought up. So why don't we frame the discussion by starting out with you describing your definition of zero trust, and then maybe go into what the core pillars of that are. Sure. And um, I'll be honest, I don't know if six months ago, I could have done a very good job at this. It's, you know, zero trust has has been something that's been floating around for, I mean, I think if you do the research, probably goes back two decades at this point, Um, maybe further, depending on where you want to start the conversation. But um, yeah, it's, it's taken on so many meanings. Um, I think if if you look in your LinkedIn feed, everybody's offering a solution to zero trust or, you know, let me help you on your path to zero trust and, and they're offering any number of products to help you get there. So it's kind of become a buzzword that's lost its meaning. And, you know, one of the reasons I jumped into it is because we did a, uh, a very expensive assessment with a, a third party who came in who was going to help us get there, you know, get to the finish line with zero trust. And, and we had about 40 people on the call. We talked for three hours. Um, and at the end of it, I don't think anybody knew what exactly we were talking about. We talked a little bit about identity, some about devices, some about the network. And at the end of it, we had a, a very fancy sort of um, chart that we could take with us that was a result of the brainstorming session. So, you know, we a, a partner of mine who I work with, we raised our hand and said, you know, what, we'd like to take this on. We feel like we can be a little bit more pointed. And uh, it was, you know, about a week or two of us doing uh, research to try to find our grounding Um, And and we ended up settling on what the U.S. government uses. Uh, The federal government has produced a lot of really good documentation, and it's Mm -hmm. fairly recent. It's in the past year or two. Um, You know, a lot of the dates on these documents, whether it's CISA or or anybody else, is, you know, 2021, 2022. And, you know, if I had to sum it up now, um, it's hard to do because there are five key pillars and, and four guiding principles and all that. But, you know, ultimately, the way I've explained it is, is verify explicitly um, not implicitly. You, you see that move away from implicit trust over mm-hmm. and over and over again, whether they're talking about, um, you know, utilizing least privilege or assume breach or continuous monitoring. It's it's how can we verify uh, explicitly using as many data points as are available to us? And in some cases, let's do it uh, in a way that's transparent to the user. Let's try to remove the user uh, entirely if we can, because we know now um, that the user is oftentimes the weakest point in the chain, and and you know whether it's a uh, 
and MFA push to their cell phone and they've got push fatigue. You know, some of these things that we used to think were very secure mechanisms. Now the user's just saying, you know what, I don't care anymore. Just, just go with it. And so now we're looking, you know, how do we verify explicitly using as many data points as possible? And, and that really is the guiding compass uh, that I use. Um, when I'm speaking to executives or even security people, because I think you'll find that oftentimes security people, it's been, um, you know, the term has just become this, this massive thing. And, uh, you know, the second part of your question, we use the federal government's five pillars of zero trust. So, you know, identity, device, network, applications, and data. And we've also utilized uh, a bunch of Microsoft documentation because we're a big Microsoft shop here. Um, and they use actually very similar pillars, I think they might break apart network and infrastructure. Uh, but you know, you can combine those right back together and you got the same framework. So that's kind of what we use uh, in our, uh, our documentation. So how do you when, when you decide that you're going to go down this path, uh, it's more of a journey. How do you get started? I mean, you mentioned having this long, arduous meeting, but how did you actually get started? So the meeting was not really where I would say we got started. It was almost sort okay. of n minus one. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it 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 gave us the idea that this was too big to just sort of take a stab at and and do it on our own. So I think step one was both my partner and I are I think of the belief that you know we might not always have the right answer, but let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's go see who else has written about this. Let's get as much documentation as we can and let's find things we like. And so we jumped into, you know, whether it's just Googling away or jumping into Gartner, if you've got a subscription there or IONS or any of the, the areas of research and really just started pulling documentation. And we pretty quickly aligned to the US federal government's implementation because they were very specific in many cases. It, it almost uh -huh. seemed like they had gotten tired of the vagueness of it all and had produced a couple papers that were like, you know what, we're telling you this is what you got to do. Here's what you got to do within each pillar. So, you know, do X, Y, and Z for identity, do X, Y, and Z for devices and so on. And I was like, okay, finally, this is uh, at least it's instructional. We may not decide to do everything, but at least it's something where we can start to create a checklist or at least a, a desired state and say, you know, we can get there as opposed to some of these other papers where we read about the identity pillar and then you're just kind of left with just a vagueness of it all. Like, you know, are, are there actual actions to come out of this or not? So uh, we really liked the government's implementation in it because it became uh, very prescriptive in many cases and gave us kind of a, a finish line to go after. Right. You mentioned employees oftentimes being sort of that weakest point and um, that bringing this up to the employees at this point they're they're just sort of throwing in the towel saying fine so are you saying it's not that challenging to get employees on board or was it a big challenge i think it's not that challenging when you start to okay. explain some of the uh some of the objectives at that finish line are actually very pro employee and they're there's kind of a win win they're very uh security centric and they're a win for the employee and i'll, I'll give a, an example in a second the hard part is getting over the term zero trust because, you know, as I've right. started every executive stakeholder meeting with, I'm not sure I like that term very much. Uh, I get what it means, but it, it sounds heavy handed and mean. Um, and it sounds like the security people are up to their 
security ways again, and we're about to come in and, and take everybody's access and you'll never get to touch anything ever again. And, you know, give me that phone and give me that laptop and all that. And that's not what it is. And so I think the only hard part is just that first two or three minutes where you say, this isn't what that is. Let me get into the details and let me show you some of the work that we're going to be doing and some of the wins that might come from that. And, you know, when you say to an employee, um, you know, employees are the weakest link and we understand push fatigue and we understand the fact that you might use the same password on many different accounts and you may not use MFA in all of your, uh, you know, personal accounts and things like that. I, I try to do it in a very friendly way to say, you know what, I do it in some cases as well. Um, my wife does it and, and we, you know, I try to teach her and, and she keeps doing it. It's, it's normal. And so one hmm. of the things I try to say is that there's some win-wins here that we can implement security on the back end using some of the data that we have, whether it's the fact that you're on a registered device or that you've already logged into the VPN or you've already unlocked your computer or we've already done a, a push notification to you today or you know any number of things to say, you know what, we're going to do this behind the scenes. And to you, it'll look like you're just going from one application to the other using single sign-on, but we're actually using conditional access factors behind the scenes. And so it's not just 2FA, it could be 4FA and 5FA, however many factors you want to utilize. And the employee, I think most times goes, you know what, you do your thing security, as long as I get to get there and I right. don't see any delay, then I'm cool with it, right? And so there are actually some very pro-employee win-win mechanisms that are a part of this, which is great. So then what is the most challenging part of achieving zero trust? Well, I think, you know, when you start to look into each of the five core pillars, there, there are some very hard, um, monotonous uh, building blocks within each, right? So, you know, you got to know where your data is. You got to have good application inventories. You've got to have... Uh, you know, I don't want to say you have to have single identity stores, but you've got to have as few as possible. You, you've got to kind of have your ducks in a row so that you can do some of those next level activities. And that's that can be a, a challenge in communicating to executives as well, because they might see things like, oh, we get to ac access applications outside of the VPN. Awesome. Uh, BYOD is on the table again. Awesome. And you're like, well, wait a second, hold on. There's some basic blocking and tackling, to use a, a football metaphor, that is not always the uh, sexy stuff, right? But it's the stuff that we've got to do. So that could take a year or so. You know, if you haven't started on um, creating an asset inventory or a CMDB or talking about the uh, roles and responsibilities of an application owner and doing access reviews and things like that, those are kind of, you know, what I would call the boring parts of security and, and just data and, and IT and things like that, that are going to be needed. Um, and I think, you know, once you set those expectations, then I, I think you can get the ball rolling and everybody gets on board. Right. So speaking of, so, you know, when it comes to achieving zero trust, is it pie in the sky to think that you can be 100% having 100% achieve zero trust? I think so, yes. Um, okay. it, it's just, you know, one of the things that we do in one of our presentations is we have a uh, a challenges and constraints. Uh, it's it's usually three or four bullets. And and in that we list, and, and I think I even took this from the government. So it's even like they're saying, hey, this isn't um, this isn't possible in, in its entirety. But, you know, the three things I usually say is it cannot be solved simply with technology. There are no tools. 
that we can just go by, churn them on, and boom, we've got zero trust running. There's a, a very people process technology aspect to this, which there is in almost all cases. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing I say is this is an incremental process and may take years to complete, right? This is not something that you start in January of 2023 and you set your deadline December 20, uh, December 31st, uh, 2023, and, and boom, we're done. That's not the case. A lot of these things take um, you might need a year just to get a strategy in place. You know, you start um, taking big topics like network segmentation and, you know, things like that, where you say, all right, we've got to decide what we even want to do here before we start purchasing, you know, additional networking equipment and firewalls and all these things. So it's incremental, many years to, to complete. And then the, the last thing I say is, you know, there may be, there likely is legacy infrastructure and applications that are in place that do not support zero trust concepts you know that you might have an application that just does not support single sign-on um you know maybe mfa you know things like that and so you're really going to do the best with what you have and you might have to carry some of that uh legacy risk um and you know you can accept it you can reduce it avoid it transfer it whatever you decide um but you know one of the things that we try to say is let's not let perfect be the enemy of good here right any partial zero trust deployment is a can result in a dramatic security improvement. So let's get the ball rolling. Let's have a some sort of scoring mechanism. You know, that's what we've done with the five pillars is we've kind of created kind of a, a five step, you know, from completely zero trust, uh, desired state achieved to, you know, not even started. Let's be able to show progress, but let's all make sure that, you know, we all agree this is, um, we're likely never to, to reach perfect. And I, I'm not sure anybody can. Right. Do you think the whole remote work has, I have to think it's had a huge impact in really an acceleration at organization doing exactly what you did. What are your thoughts on that? I think so, because I, you know, I think I was explaining this to my executive team just yesterday. I said, you know, from a security leader and practitioner, I, I feel like zero trust probably for the past five years or so, and, and it might be off a little bit, but for the past five years, it's really picked up steam. Mm -hmm. And where I think it really, you know, got put into hyperdrive is is right at the beginning of COVID, right? All the employees go home. We now don't have the comfort of that, you know, castle and moat perimeter where it's the employee gets to come into the building. They've checked in on their badge. They, they're they on our network. Everybody's safe, secure. We, we know who everybody is. And so, you know, one of the benefits of this from a business perspective is that it does enable that anywhere, anytime, any device hybrid workforce. And that's essentially our new reality, right? So, you know, that being one of the, the business goals prior to COVID, you might have said, okay, yeah, maybe we'll get there. We might have some employees working, you know, wherever we might have uh, in India workforce or, we, you know, all that. Now it's sort of like, oh yeah, this is the new reality. So I think that's really the piece that's really put this over the edge. And it's like, okay, now we're really doing this. And it's a great win because I can now present that as one of the business goals in front of my my HR vice president and my CEO where you know they're trying to enable this as well so it's it's kind of um it, it's a good um statement to say that that's one of the goals of zero trust do you think there's an intersection between zero trust and digital transformation initiatives uh yeah of course um you know i think you know digital transformation initiatives are are on everybody's radar. Um, mm -hmm. And there are some zero trust concepts that align uh, perfectly into that. You know, it, it could be, um, you know, as easy as saying, you know what, we've got, uh, 
uh, a new ERP system coming in, how do we want our users to authenticate? In the old days, you might say, all right, username, password, push a, a push notification to their phone and, and blah, blah, blah. And now we're saying, you know what, let's use um, single sign-on, let's put conditional access in place, let's uh, do all those checks behind the scenes. And if we see anything uh, malicious, we'll do a, a push notification or, or something like that. And so you can start to utilize those concepts going forward, uh, which is great. And that's really how we've kind of presented this is, as we've done this assessment, we've mm -hmm. certainly identified cleanup work where we've got to go back and, and improve our asset inventory and do a, uh, a data management assessment and things like that. But the other side of the coin is if you agree on the zero trust concepts and you agree that this is now the new flavor of security, which we're going to implement at our company as new applications, as new products and, and systems uh, get onboarded, you can say, let's now do this with a zero trust uh, principles in, in act and, and let's move forward that way. And then you can start to improve going forward. So you kind of do it uh, in both directions. So are you at a state now where you are starting to intertwine education from a training and awareness perspective with the concept of zero trust? Is this an ongoing activity? I don't think just yet. We haven't hit okay. the employees yet with uh, this. We've really been doing our due diligence to get all of the executive key stakeholders on board. So, I, I mean, I've got a deck that's been probably presented about 10 times. I'm very good at it now. I, you know, I can get it out pretty quickly and I know the questions that are going to come, but we're kind of starting top down. But we do know that's going to be a, uh, a portion of this because there will be some changes that affect the employees. I don't think everything, you know, if we look at our list of projects that will take us from current state to desired state, you know, my guess is 90% of those, the employees will see no, uh, no impact on their daily lives and things like that. But again, when you start talking about things like MFA and SSO and, and things like that, uh, just in time access, just enough access, you know, any changes that they might see, I think it's important to have them understand that the zero trust concepts are the ones guiding our way. So we have that on our roadmap, but we're not there just yet. Okay. So I have one last question. Um, is this something every single organization should be baking into their information security strategy? That's a good question. Um, I think so, because I think one of the things that's been exciting about kind of for me going down this zero trust uh, pathway, which again, you know, really I think started for me in the past six months or so is there's some very forward leaning um, concepts in zero trust, which I think are smarter ways to enact security going forward. And I'll give you a good example. Um, when we were reading through the US government's implementation of zero trust, uh, one little sentence came across, and uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, I don't remember how they said it, but it said, um, please stop forcing your employees to rotate their password uh, so <laughs> continuously or, or something along those lines. It might have even said stop doing it altogether. Right. And that's something that, you know, even security practitioners have trouble getting over, even right. though we read it time and time again, is that, hey, the more often you make your users rotate their passwords, they're creating very simple passwords, they're just adding... Mm -hmm you know, ampersands at the end or or whatever, you know. And these are things that I think, even if you're just getting started in security, you, you're able to sort of just leapfrog ahead 
and sort of say, you know what, this is, I believe that we've all agreed that the smarter implementation of security. So regardless of whether you use, you know, ISO or NIST or any of those other frameworks to, to kind of create your controls, they don't really tell you how to implement those controls. And, and we've explained it in that, you know what, we're going to use our framework, but we're going to use zero trust and the principles there to determine how to implement these controls. So I think from that aspect, anyone can do it. And if you're just getting started, you're able to sort of leapfrog everybody else who's really having to look at their old controls and say, you know what, why do we force them to rotate every 60 days? Why did we implement right. that? Oh, oh, it's an auditor that asked us for that. Or, or it was, you know, some other regulatory framework that hasn't been updated in, you know, five, six, seven years. And, you know, and then you can kind of argue about that, which we've done internally, you know, a lot of security practitioners argue amongst these things, and then we kind of come out with where we want to be in desired state. So I, I think anybody can. Yeah, it's good. Well, I think we're about out of time, Joe. You are like a rocket scientist of zero trust. So I, I really thank you for joining us today. I appreciate that. I'm not um, sure whether to feel good about that or not, but I'll, it was I'll take great. it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, this is zero trust. It's, as we mentioned earlier, it's everywhere. It's in every discussion. So it's it is really good to hear from an expert like yourself who has hands-on experience with it. Um, so our audience, if anybody has any questions, you can reach out to us directly at info at kologicsecurity.com or on our LinkedIn page. And you can hear this podcast as well as all of our podcasts at kologicsecurity.com forward slash podcast. Joe, thanks again. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. 